to onechurch.tv. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And we're on week three of a five-part series entitled Bold. Uh, I want to start out today's teaching just by giving you some words. And I want to kind of just ask what kind of comes to your mind. So, easy chair. Lazy boy. Comfort. Comfortable. Quilt. Comforter. Soft. Rest. Relax. Relaxation. Relieved. Ease. Ease up. Easy street. Easier. Easy living. Made it. Arrived. Still. Freedom from difficulty. Freedom from hardship. No effort. Loosen. Slacken. No drama. No conflict. Steady. Predictable. Now, if those were words used to describe the next blockbuster movie that was coming out, would you pay $11 to see that? Nope. Let me ask it another way. If uh, you saw on the New York Times bestseller list, and this was the words used to describe a 1999, how much it costs for that novel, would you buy it? The answer, no. Would you... Spend some time on Thursday night watching a television show that had no drama, no conflict, no story. No, you would not. Because the reason why is nobody wants to go pay money to go see something that's boring. They just don't. Um, it was just boring. It's what makes a good story is conflict. What makes a good story is suspense and struggle and drama and problems. What makes you want to spend $11 at a movie theater, and that does not include Coke and popcorn, is when you go see tension and drama and something that's exciting. And if you're a guy, stuff getting blown up, right? By the way, anybody seen the new Star Wars trailer that came out on Thursday. Just saying, right? The reason why you're going to go see Star Wars Episode 7, number one, is because Jar Jar Binks isn't in it. But two, because it looks good. There's conflict, there's drama, there's people being rescued, there's winning, there's losing, there's the light side, there's the dark side. Nobody wants the vanilla side, Right? I mean, you want to see who is going to win, and that's what makes a good story. Stories are fraught with unexpected danger and suspense where the main character faces unexplicable odds and yet doesn't give up but perseveres. Those are amazing stories. You and I will pay almost any amount of money to go see or read or hear of those stories. But here's the paradox, and here's what we're talking about today. You and I, though we love drama in other people, we resist it in our own lives, right? I mean, we love conflict when other people are dealing with conflict on the the screen or on the television, on a sitcom, and the conflict happens, and 23 minutes later, it's relieved, and we're like, oh, isn't that awesome? But none of you pray for conflict. None of you pray for drama. None of you say, you know what, I want more unexpected suspense cliffhangers in my life. No one has ever prayed for that. And the reason why is that you and I are drawn to drama in other people's lives, but we resist it in our own life. We don't like conflict. We don't like difficulty. We don't like hardship. We don't like the unknown. We crave routine. And if you don't believe me, I would ask that you would look at this past week. Because some of you, you get up at the same time, you wake up, and you do the same morning routine, you eat the same cereal, you, you do the same thing with your bowl, you, you put on, you know, you go through the whole ritual putting on the different clothes, but pretty much in the same way. You leave in the same car, you go to work probably on the same route, you go and you do the same job, you usually end at the same time, you come back on the same way, you sit down and you watch the same television show that you watched last week, 
and then you go to bed and it's like lather rinse repeat that that's that's as exciting as most of our lives get because we love drama in other people's lives but we resist it in our own and many of us we will do anything to be able to run from drama or get rid of conflict or get rid of problems but here's the problem all of us we can we can go the normal route and we can go the status quo route and the routine route but what we're talking about in this series is bold is an attack on normal bold is an attack on the average and on the status quo it bold is the opposite of boring And I think this is about something that God wants to do, not only in our church, but really what God wants to do in your life is you and I become more bold because God wants to write an exciting story in your life. I know he wants to write it in our church's life, but I know he wants to write an exciting story in your personal life as a mom or as a dad, as a teenager. Because all of us, when we look back at our life and we think, well, you know what? I wonder what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now. Whatever stage of life you happen to be, maybe you're a teenager, maybe you're in high school, maybe you've just finished high school, maybe you're in college, maybe uh, you're just kind of at the beginning stages of wanting to get married, or maybe you're married and get ready to start a family. I mean, all of us, I mean, you may be getting ready to retire, but here's what I know. We all think about the future. And I think it's when you and I get bold that we really begin to have a story that's worth reading. That we begin to have a story that God can do some remarkable things. You see, there's something inside of me and there's something inside of you that says, I want to accomplish something great with my life. It has nothing to do about being famous. It has nothing to do about an ego trip. It's all that we want to live our lives with significance. We want to beat the odds. We want to overcome the tension. I mean, Hollywood, they produce stories like that. None of us, you never want to see an average movie or read an average novel or watch an average television show. Those get cut. We all want to think that we've, we all want to think that we've been put on this planet for a purpose. And I believe that God has us on this planet for a purpose. And the reason why we're moving into this season of bold and really becoming bolder than ever is that God, we believe, can begin to use our life in some meaningful ways. So today, before I ever get into the story, I'm going to ask you to embrace the tension. I'm going to ask you to embrace the conflict today. Because some of the things that we're going to be talking about today and in the two weeks to follow... I really do believe that if we embrace bold and we embrace the tension and if we embrace these difficult conversations, I think some incredible things not only are going to happen in our church, but more importantly, they're going to happen in your life, in your life and in my life. Because I believe we're in a season that's going to define our church possibly forever. And if this is your first time, I'm going to kind of bring you up to speed because it's this moment, it's kind of a watershed moment, it's a pivotal moment uh, for us. And it's more than just a series, Uh, it really is a direction. And we're praying that God will write an incredible story in our lives, and our lives as a church. Because he's done some amazing things through some amazing stories over the past seven years. And let me tell you kind of where the genesis of Bold has come from. Uh, We sat down as a leadership team and we began to ask some questions. And even though things are going really well, and and even though we have a lot of things to be thankful for, and even though uh, we have a lot of people who show up that are new to church, in fact, as you know, the majority of the people that show up to one church have very little church experience, we call them unchurched, or people who have been out of church for a while, we call them those de-churched. That the majority of our growth does not come from a person who's at a church and just moves from our church. And I, I love that. And even though things are going well and we could just keep on doing the same things that we're doing, we know that we want to challenge the status quo of our own church. And we want to become more bold. And we want to pray boldly and invite boldly. When we sort of rethink normal, great God things can happen. So that's where, we're, that's where we started to pray, to be honest with you. That's where we started asking questions like, God, what do you have in store for us as a people and as a community? And as we're moving into our eighth year here at OneChurch.tv, we thought about what's some different ministries that we could start? 
What are some different avenues? How can we serve our community better? And that really was the vision for Bold. So our quick recap, because I don't have a lot of time today. Our two-step bold process, we have two bold moves, and the first one is this. We want to be able to establish a secure facility. We want to secure a permanent facility. We love portable church, and we believe that doing church portable uh, in, church, in buildings that are not our own is probably always going to be a part of our DNA. Um, one of the things that, uh, that attracts us to getting into a more permanent facility is that we're going to save money in the long run. Um, And it's really even more about the money. We want to start some ministries. To be honest with you, we can't start because we don't have a permanent facility. One of the things that uh, you may not know of, and this is the first time I'm actually bringing it up on stage, is we have a group of people that have been meeting as a launch team, and their goal is simply this. They want to create a four-year environment. This is kind of an uh, anyone-available environment. Anybody can show up and understand it. A four-year environment for singles young professionals that may be college students young professionals single army and right now we're looking at some different avenues and this team is working really hard behind the scenes and it's going to be very similar to what we do on sunday mornings going to have many of the same communicators many of the same um, uh, people up on stage Um, but one of the things we realized is 18 to 34 year olds many times we struggle getting them to show up on a sunday morning so why not try doing something like this maybe on a tuesday evening and we've looked at a lot of different venues. And where we're, we're coming up short is trying to find a place that we can be able to do that. We can't meet in a school. There's no place around the exit one area that's big enough to hold four to 500 singles. So we're left, and this team is left, working behind the scenes and waiting. Waiting for a right avenue. Some of you know this as well. We have an average, I mean, it's amazing what God has done with our student ministry, but, I mean, Dave, you've seen Dave Thompson, he shaved his beard because they had 150 kids show up on Wednesday nights at the One Church Student Ministry. And right now, we have an office space that can, like, comfortably hold about 50. So, uh, it's a little stinky in there when you get 150 teenagers in there, because the AC doesn't, you know, it just doesn't keep up and all this stuff, and there's really no place for these youth to meet here around the exit one area. So we want to secure a permanent facility. Again, so we started praying. One of the things is we kind of walk through this, uh, um, this tension as well is at any time, the school or the school system can say, you know what, you're done. And we want to, as we were praying through this and figure out, okay, what does our next step look like? We said, you know what, this will never be about buildings for us. But we feel like this is where God is calling us to do. So we set a bold goal. Our leadership team set a bold goal of 750000 over two years. And in three weeks, May the 3rd, uh, all of us will be able, to have, be able to make that commitment. And again, that's over and above giving. But let me tell you our second bold goal, and simply this, is we want to continue to start churches that unchurched people love to attend. You know, here's the thing for some of you. Some of you, you drove 10, 20, 30 minutes to get here. Anybody struggled on the interstate because the exit 8 was down? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? I did, thank you. All right. I mean, I mean, let me tell you. Christians will drive 30 minutes to a church. People who aren't Christians, they're not going to do that. So we want to figure out how can we start more churches that unchurched people love to attend. And that is our second bold move. Now, again, our goal, $750,000. And again, I know as I talk through this, I get really excited because I'm thinking about the future, but about not only what God has done and all the stories that he's changed about what he's going to do, and I think Bold is going to expand that vision and make it possible for us to continue to start and create churches that unchurched people love to attend. But you know what? Here's what I know. For this to work, it's going to have to be an all-skate. I mean, for this to work, I'm just going to level with you as your pastor. I, I, it's going to take all of us doing this. It will. It's a daunting vision. It's a big vision. But it's possible if all of us pull together. Let me say it another way. A little goes a long way when we do it together. And one of the things I want to start just being in by completely honest and putting all my cards on the table is this. Bold is possible if we all commit to it. It is. But if you're just sitting there thinking, you know, that's a great idea. But somebody else ought to give to that. 
I mean, if you're thinking, okay, that's a great idea, but you know what? There's got to be like a millionaire in our church who can just write a check. Um, let me just tell you, there's not. At least I don't think so, right? Um, and uh, let me tell you, I mean, if you're thinking, I hope somebody online, I hope they're going to give. I hope the person who's like to the left, I hope they're going to give. And some of you are looking at the back of the I bet you he's going to give. She's going to give. And if that's your mindset, let me tell you, bold will not happen. We will settle for boring. We will settle for the status quo, and we'll keep on doing normal. But let me tell you, I believe that God never calls us to our comfort zone. He calls us out of our comfort zone. Name me one place in the Bible where God says, here's, listen, I want you to buy a lazy boy, and I want you to just go take it easy. It's not in there. It may be in second opinions, but it's not in there. Some of you are going, I've never heard that book. It's because it's, it's an opinion. Anyway, um, but I'm just going to say, if you think somebody else is going to do this, it's not going to happen. But if this is your home, and if this is your church, and, and if you commit to engage in some level, I can tell you, to personally pull this off, I, I'm going to tell you, this dream not only becomes a probability, it, I mean, it becomes something that God will do because he's used you. But the truth is, it's going to take all of us. But again, anytime I talk about money, I've been in small groups for the past five nights straight. And one of the things when, I, when, I, when, I, when we talk about this process, this is what everybody does. I mean, they're, they're like this, but their guard goes up, right? Because nobody likes talking about money. I've got to be honest with you. I'm a pastor who does not like talking about money. And let me tell you the reason why. For me, there's a fear. There's a fear there. Because I'm thinking, you know what? If I talk about money a lot, then you know what, maybe, you know, the people who say, you know what, they've been out of church and they're starting to come back for church, they're going to say, okay, you're one of those churches, right? And it gives them an excuse to walk away from God and the church. I don't want to be that pastor, and I don't want this to ever become that church. But I'm just going to level with you. I mean, the Bible does say a lot about money, and if we never do talk about it, then we're never ever going to become more like Jesus when it comes to our finances. We're just not. So there's going to be some fears as we kind of go through this. And some of you are like, can we just skip to the next series? I mean, by the way, the next series is on family and parenting. So um, uh, if you think you're a perfect parent and family, uh, good luck on that one because I'm, I'm learning right now. I'm already, I'm about three-fourths of the way through that series just working on it, and I'm excited about it. But some of you are like, can we skip to that one? I promise you, we're getting there. But here's what I believe God is calling us to do. God is not calling us to live a normal God is not calling us to live a boring life. And God is not calling this church just to set, soak, and sour. He's calling us, ringing us out, and say, I want you to become more bold. Now again, when I say that, and when I say that vision, and we talk about those dreams, for some of you it's just like, man, I just don't. I mean, there's some fear there. And there may be a fear there because you came from a church and, I mean, this is kind of the direction they went and, there was, and then it, from there it was all downhill from there. And there's fears there. Now, for some of you, again, when I talk about the whole finances thing, you're like, man, there's, there's fears there. And I get that. But let me tell you one of the things that I'm just going to be level with you. I believe that God, if you want to grow in your faith, you're going to have to confront your fear. And God will always confront your fear. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to push you to let him know that God is more than enough for you. More than enough. And that's drama. Let's just be honest. That's suspense. And though we love paying for it at the movies... We don't want it in our life. And that's one of the reasons why I think many of you are going to resist being involved in bold. And yeah, you may wear some t-shirts, you may be involved ministry-wise, but when it comes out to having that conversation with your spouse about what do you think God is calling us to do? What do you think God is calling us to give? I think for many of us, we're going to say, you know what, I think I just want to keep it normal because we don't have enough money right now. I mean, does anybody here have enough money? Let me see your hands. No, nobody raised their hands, right? And by the way, I raised my hands just because I did it. I, but none of us think we have enough money, right? We just don't. I get that. 
And that's one of some of our biggest excuses for us to be bold in giving. But I, let me tell you, I think bold is going to push your fears. I think bold is, I mean, it, it's, there's some scary stuff behind that. And even though I think it's exciting, all of us, we have a thing in the back of our minds, but what if? But what if I give and God doesn't provide? What if I give and things go differently for me or things go differently for us? There's a fear there. And I think I'm inviting you to engage that fear directly. And some of you, again, when I talk about praying and praying more boldly, when you say, okay, I'm not a good prayer. And there's some fears there. I'm going to ask you to engage your fears. Some of you, it's when, you know what, I I like one church, but I don't really invite people to come because I'm kind of scared because what if they say no? And there's a fear there. For some of you, you know, you don't invite people to church because then they would actually realize that you were maybe a Christian and your life hasn't kind of lined up that way. And there's some fears there. And again, I'm asking you to embrace those fears, to embrace that tension. Because here's what I know about you and about me. It's our big idea today. Our boldest moments are your best moments. Our boldest moments are your best moments. Think about that you look back over your 20, 30, 40 years of your life, your boldest moments were your best moments. I mean, that time when you were a kid and your brother fell into a pool and he, and you didn't, he didn't know how to swim and you jumped in to save him. When you look back at that, that was bold. Or when you said, you know what? Two, three isn't enough. We're going to adopt more. And you look back on that decision And yet, there was a financial cost to it. And it inconvenienced your family and your life and your living situation. But when you look back on it, that moment was one of your boldest moments ever. For others of you, it may have been when you said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start it. I am tired of doing this kind of average and I'm going to go out and I'm going to start my own company, my own business. And there was fear there. There was insecurity there because you didn't know if the money was going to come in. You, you didn't know. But that bold moment became one of your best moments. Others of you, I mean, you decided, you know what, I'm going to forgive him. Even though he didn't ask for forgiveness, even though he didn't really change his ways, I'm going to forgive him because there, there was something inside of me that was crying out, you need to let it go. And in that moment, you became bold. For some of you, that day was when you finally said yes about coming to church. I mean, like your neighbor, your co-worker, hey, you want to come to onechurch.tv? You want to come to onechurch.tv? You want to come to... Shut up! No, I don't want to go to church. I'm not a church person. Anyway, I don't want to go see and hear all that. I just, I don't want to do that. I mean, I don't want to go sit in a pew. That's what I think of most churches. Pew, right? I just, I don't want that. That was a joke, all right? But you know what? You said yes, and I don't know if it's because somebody bribed you with lunch. I don't know if it's because somebody said, hey, you know, there'll be cute girls there. I, I, I don't know. And maybe, okay, I will say yes if he will just stop bugging me. For some of you, husbands, that's what you did. Your wife was lovingly, in Christian ways, nagging you. Nagging. Don't raise your hand right now. It will not go well for you. But you know what? You showed up. And you're like, huh, that was different. I don't know if I liked it, but it was different. You know what? You decided to come back the next week. The next week. And over those weeks, something happened and something changed in your life. And you can't even believe you're saying it, but you started to believe. And you still had questions, but you started to believe and you called your mom up mom you will never believe what's happened i'm going to church and she like puts the phone down honey you'll never believe it say that one more time i think we had a bad connection all right yeah and then i mean that was one of your boldest moments looking back on that and uh, and then a year later you got baptized and you told your story it was on Facebook, and everybody's liked and liked, and then kind of the cat was out of the bag, and everybody knew that you were Christian. That was bold. It's a bold moment when you got baptized. Let me tell you, your boldest moments will always be 
your best moments. And I think you and I have the opportunity to take your life from what it is to what it could be. To be able to take your, your normal from what it is to what it could be. And whether or not you engage financially or not, do that prayer-wise. To take what your prayer life is and see what it could be. To take, you know what, how I love other people from what it is to what it could be. And to even push the envelope and say, you know what, God, I'm even going to trust you. I'm even going to trust you with my wallet, my bank account. So see what happens, right? And that's bold. It's always going to embrace your fear. So that's what I'm going to ask that we're going to be doing this. And I hope in my prayer that God, he pushes the edge and he pushes the borders of your faith. And I'm going to show you one of the most familiar stories that we see this in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible where God kind of pushes your fears. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 14. Exodus chapter 14. And I'm going to share, share with you a very familiar story that has is fraught with drama and suspense. Now, here's the thing. If you grew up in church, you know how this is going to end. You do. So I'm going to ask you to put yourself in the sandals of these Israelites and look at it from their perspective. Because we're going to see, because all of us have seen the movies, we're going to see God parting the Red Sea. So, let's dig in. Now, as you're digging in, by the way, if you have your Bibles, you can go to uversion.com, or you can go to the Uversion app, the Bible app, and be able to hit live, and you can follow along with us as well. By the way, some cool questions in there you can interact with. So, uh, now here's a cool thing about this story. We're going to see that God raised up a people group, the Israelites, and he, he gave them a bunch of promises that I'm going to grow you and you're going to multiply. I'm going to give you a land. And, the, and God made a lot of promises. And you know what happened to those promises? 400 years passed, generations passed, and now those promises haven't come true yet, and the Israelites have fallen into slavery. And they're slaves to the Egyptians. Let me tell you about the Egyptians. The Egyptians were the superpower in that day. They were the United States of that day. And they had all of the best army, all of the best gadgets. I mean, they were high-tech for their time. And we're going to see how God's people, the Israelites, this tension of God getting them out of slavery and them becoming a nation and a people group. Now, here's the thing about this. In this story, when God gets involved, there's gonna, it's never going to get easy. And let me, I'm going to say the same thing in your life. When God gets involved in your life, it's never going to get easy. It's probably going to become more challenging. And that's, for a lot of us, that's our pushback because we kind of prefer normal. We're going to see in the story that the Israelites would prefer being, living in slavery and the predictability of that known than to be free and God to do something amazing in their life and that be unknown. Because the unknown creates fears and drama and suspense. We like safe, we like predictable, but when God gets involved, God always takes you to the edge of your faith. And honestly, that's what I'm praying is what happens to you and I. So this is what is written. This is in Exodus 14, 4, and it says this. And once again, uh, God speaking, I will harden, what? Pharaoh's heart, and he will do what? Chase after you. I have plan this. Whoa, time out. Okay, Pharaoh. What is Pharaoh? Pharaoh is just the president. He's the king. Uh, he's the king of Egypt, all right? And God says, I am going to harden the most powerful man's heart in the world, and I'm going to make him chase after you. Okay, God, uh, can we have, can we, can this be a conversation? I don't think I really like that. I mean, I uh, do you know that they never ever prayed that in their prayer meetings? You know, when they're sitting around and they're holding hands, and again, if you've been a Christian for long, you know you've got to do the squeeze your hand thing when you're done. <laughs> right? Just saying? Okay. Dear Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would just get us out of Egypt and that you would allow Pharaoh to just uh, start liking us. Amen. And then you squeeze a hand. Dear God, I pray that you would make Pharaoh hate us even more and that he would chase after us and try to kill us. Amen. Who is this dude? Uh, and why have you been invited to this church, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, that's kind of, no one prayed for this. That's not supposed to be in the script, God. 
you, I mean, you're supposed to deliver us. You're supposed, you're supposed to deliver us from this land that's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey and, and all of these amazing things. We're, never, we're not praying to be chased, but look what it says. But look what God says in the next verse. I have planned this in order to display what? My glory through Pharaoh and the whole army. You see, God, when God disturbs you, when God bothers you, when God pushes you into your fears, it's because he loves you. And that's exactly what he's doing to the Israelites here. He is pushing them into their fears, and that's when he wants to grow you. Do you know that you and I never, ever grow without resistance? We just don't. For some of you who, you know, you're, you're kind of the guy in here that you're looking like this, like, you know this, right? I mean, you, when you pump, there's resistance. And some of you, I saw some of you done puffed up when I did that. You talking about me, baby. You're moving your pecs, right? I'm just saying. Some of y'all, I know. I've crossed the line, and some of you ladies are going, mm, I know that, but I'm going to stop. Okay? I'm going to get an email from that one. I can already tell. Anyway, um, but see, here's the thing. You're, you're never going to grow without resistance. You're just not. And it's the same way with our faith. And that's what we're praying what happens in, in this season of bold. It's the reason why I'm wanting you to kind of resist me today. I mean, I mean, really, can I really trust God with my prayers? Can I really trust him? with my inviting? Can I trust him with my finances? Can I trust him to launch into new ministries? I mean, that's what I hope you're kind of asking the question. Verse 4. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. (laughs) After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Good decision. Next verse. When word reached to the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, look what happens. Pharaoh... Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? What have we done? Letting all of those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I mean, you're the Pharaoh, pretend you're the Pharaoh, pretend you're the king, and you're the greatest power on earth, and you have a bunch of free labor that's building all of your infrastructure, and there's hundreds of thousands of slaves and they produce all that you want, right? I mean, and you're the minister of finance. You're the minister of industry. You're the ministry of trade. And, and, I mean, all of you took Economics 101, right? You did. And don't let your slaves go free. And yet, that's what they've done. They slept on it, and they're going, that really hurt. They go, we shouldn't have done that. And they go chasing after them. Now, why did they do that? It's because God had hardened their heart. Because God is wanting to prove a point. God is wanting to create some tension here. He's wanting to create some drama. And all of us are going, this is a good read. This is a good story. If you're an Israelite, you're going, "Mm -mm. no, sir. Not good. Bad. Bad. It's bad, right? Now, let's keep on going. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him, look at this, 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of egypt with his commanders pharaoh has some good chariots um i mean and we don't call them chariots in this day and age we call them 160th right we call them chinooks apaches blackhawks i mean and and what's what's on those chinooks are fifth group people right i mean he has got and and he is going after them keep on reading I love this. I mean, you're an Israelite. You're in slavery, and your father was in slavery, and your grandfather was in slavery, and your great-great-grandfather was in slavery, and you don't have anything. You don't have an army. You don't have chariots. You don't have horses. Let me tell you what you've got. You've got pool noodles. Because you had to leave quickly, and you're like, hey, get something out of the garage. And the guy goes, okay, and he grabs a pool noodle, right? Now, you're out of Egypt, and the wife's going, what are you going to do with that? Float? I don't know. You don't have any of that. I mean, you don't have all of the high-tech stuff. You are in trouble. You are nervous. Verse 8. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with their fist raised in defiance. Anybody ever left a job with your fist raised in defiance? Tell the truth, shame the devil. No one in here? 
Some of y'all being too nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. You ever left going, it may not have been a fist raising defiance. It may have been certain fingers on the fist. I don't know. Right? But you're going, I'm never coming back here again. Right? That's kind of how the Israelites were. I'm not coming back to this place. All right? Verse 9. The Egyptians chased after them with what? All the forces in Pharaoh's army. So he's throwing it all to them. All of his horses, all of his chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. That's a lot of peeps. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the what? Shore. The shore of what? We're going to see, we're going to see the shore of the Red Sea. This massive sea. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up. And what did they do? They went, thank you, Jesus. This is amazing. This is a great story. Let's see what God does. Is that what they did? They did what? They panicked. Because that's what we do when we get drama in our own lives, isn't it? That's, that's what we do when we get tension in our own lives. They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, here's the question. Why did you bring us out here for us to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? That's a great question. Great question. That's what they would be asking. God, okay, you just delivered us. You got us out of slavery just so that you could kill us? Doesn't make sense. They go on. What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen if we were still in Egypt? This wouldn't happen. Look at this. This is some Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking armchair here, right? It just is. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than to be a corpse in the wilderness. How about that for a Facebook status? It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Hashtag stinks to stink. Right? Hashtag Moses is awful. Hashtag God isn't faithful. Man. That's interesting. For some of you, I mean, what you, what you don't realize in that moment is I mean, you're pressing up against your fears that God is wanting to write a better story. God is wanting to bring some drama and some tension into your life so that he can be shown off. Some of you, you're, that's the reason, when you, if you've never gotten to the point where you've been anxious about your faith, if you've never gotten to the point where you've worried about what your next step may be, if you've never gotten to the point where, you know what, I just don't know if I can trust if I can do this, let me tell you, if, never, if you've never gotten to that point, I can tell you, you've probably never grown spiritually. And you're just going to continue on, flatlined. It's flat, flatlined. And for some of you, that's where you've stunted and stalled in your spiritual life. It's because there is no challenge. You just, you know what, I'm just going to do Normal. You haven't gotten bold. You're not willing to be caught between a rock and a hard place. You're willing to be caught between a pillar and a comforter. Because God calls, God wants me to be happy, right? God wants me to be comfortable. Oh, 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 it's comfortable. And God's going, no. I want you to be comfortable. I want to press you. I want to press your fears and let you know, you know what? I'm bigger than your fears. One of the reasons, again, why all of us were going to resist this is because it's just uncomfortable. It is. But let me tell you, again, in like three weeks, how many of you are going to go see the Avengers Age of Ultron movie? Anyone? Anyone love Jesus? Okay. Um, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to watch it with my boys, and we're going to have a great time because, you know, I love Captain America, and, uh, and I know some stuff's going to be blowing up, and there's going to be conflict, and I'm going to go, oh, it's going to be amazing. I just, oh, it's going to give me two thumbs up. I'm very, very excited about that. Right? And some of you, I mean, that's how you're going to be with the next movie. And, and that's how some of you are with the news. The reason why you watch the news is because there's tension. And you're thinking, okay, how is this person going to get resolved here? And how is this thing going to work in the world? And where's the rest of you going to happen? And, and see, all of us are attracted to drama in somebody else. But we resist it in our own life. And here's the problem with us just staying normal. is normal always gets worse. That's what a musician said once. Normal always gets worse. If you just have a normal marriage, you know what's going to happen? It's going to get worse. Because you don't date. You don't invest in her or him anymore. You don't spend time with them. Normal always degrades and devolves to worse. Always does. And some of you, that's how your job, you're in a normal job. And you're putting in normal effort. 
And the problem is normal is just going to get worse. It will. And that's the reason why we, you have to break the cycle and you've got to do something bold. And, but here's the problem with bold. It brings tension. It brings drama. And none of us like it. It brings fears. And that's why we need to trust God. That you need to trust God and I need to trust God. And our church needs to trust God because the story doesn't end this way. It doesn't end with them going, okay, we're either going to be slaughtered by the Egyptians or we're going to drown in the Red Sea. It doesn't end that way. Let's see how it ends. But Moses told the people, don't be what? See, that's what we're talking about here. It's fear. We all have fears. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and look at this. Stand still and watch. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, (laughs) you ain't never going to see them again. You're never going to see them again. I mean, they have the greatest army on the planet breathing down our necks. And some of you Israelites, you're going, okay, we got two options here. To be slaughtered or to drown. To be slaughtered or to drown. To be slaughtered or to drown. No, no, with God, there's always a third option. Because when God enters into your equation... He makes things just add up a little bit differently if you were here last week. Look at what Moses says. The Egyptians you will see today will never be seen again because the Lord himself will what? Fight for you. Just stay calm. Let me tell you, what happens next, and we've seen the movies, God makes a way where there's no way. He opens up the Red Sea. He allows the Israelites to walk on dry land. And once they get two million of them, get to the other side, when, the, when Pharaoh's army when starts to pursue them, and they're all using their pool noodles. You see, if we're never bold, we will never see God fight for us. You just won't. If you never take the risk, you will never see that God, in God's economy, he doesn't know the word risk. Because he is in control. One of the things I've loved, I got to hang out with five community groups um, Monday through Friday. And one of the things I heard in every one of those community groups was simply this. You know what? When God, when we chose to do something with our finances, God showed up and did something amazing. What happens in groups stays in groups. I'm not going to mention names, but I'm going to tell you about one person, one couple. They uh, were struggling financially. They didn't have enough money to pay their bills. Um, But uh, a person in that marriage said, you know what? I feel like we need to pay the electric bill for another couple. And uh, the person, another, uh, the guy in the marriage says, uh, God may be telling you that. I don't think he's telling me that. Um, But they prayed about it, and they said, okay, we'll do that. I don't know where it's going to come from. And what's amazing is that they did that and blessed that other family, and God blessed them in return. What they experienced was God fighting in their finances. I I was at a group on Friday night, and when I, you know, I I always come with kind of with my hat in hand, and because I'm always thinking, you know, what what are people going to think? And I I had couples in there just, man, just smacking, they were smacking me upside the head saying, you ain't been bold, pastor. And I'm like, why don't you stop preaching to me, right? Um, So, and they said, you know what, let us talk. Get me up on stage. I'll I'll say something, right? And they they started doing this, right? Let me get on stage. So, and, and, and the reason why they were talking is because, you know what? I, I, they, they saw and they've seen God fight in their life when they start putting God first in every area of their life. I, I love that. And I think that is where, that's where we, we, we hit our fears and we like, okay, God, are you going to be bigger than this? So, as, as we close today, I'm just going to challenge you on that because some of us, we have fears. I get that. The question that I'm hoping bold answers for you is, is, that, is, that, is God bigger than my fears? Do I have enough faith in God that he is bigger than my fears? Because I believe our boldest moments will always be our best moments. Some of you, when you came in today, you got a sheet that looks like this. If you would go ahead and take that out. If you didn't get a sheet, 
if you could kind of raise your hand and we'll have some people come through. All right, we've got some folks. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Thanks, Lou. What you have here is really a tool that I'm hoping that you will engage with. And uh, as you're getting that, th there's three different areas on here. And if, until you get it, they'll be up on the screens. There's three different things. We're talking about praying, inviting, and giving. Praying, inviting, and giving. So here's what I want you to ask yourself this question. I want to become bolder in praying by and fill in the blank. I'm wanting to become bolder by fill in the blank. Let's look at the next step. The reason why I am not bolder, this right here is going to be your breakthrough. The reason why I don't pray bolder is, and, and let me tell you, there's going to be an underlying fear here. This is going to uncover something. For some of you, and this is kind of where I'm at, you know, the, the, where I struggle with praying and having faith in God is because there's been time in my life where I have trusted in God and I didn't feel like he came through. At the time, I didn't. Looking back on it, he totally came through. But at the time, there was drama and there was tension. Can I trust God? This right here is really going to be your breakthrough. The reason why I'm not inviting Boulder, the reason why I'm not inviting people is because is there a fear of rejection here? The reason why I'm not giving Boulder, and let's just be honest, this is probably the biggest one. All of us have fears when it comes to our finances. We do. Because church stuff is great on Mondays. Excuse me, on Sundays. But Monday through Saturday, that's real world stuff. At least that's not what we think. And I got to pay the bills, right? And this is where a lot of our, why am I not, why not more bolder in giving? And I share with you one of my struggles as, as a Christian and as a person on staff at previous churches, I don't make enough. I can't give because I don't make enough. The problem with that is, it's false. Because God never says, okay, if you make this much, then you can start giving. Never says that. It says, you know what, I just want you to give a percentage. If you start giving a percentage, then you know what? Even if it's $10, give a buck. All right? Now, and then look at this. The action step to become more bolder. That's, this is, again, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road here. This is where you say, okay, what do I need to do to address that fear? Uh, this is, how can I be more bolder in praying? How can I be more bolder in inviting? Why am I so afraid of inviting people to church? Why am I so afraid of giving? How can I become bolder in our praying? And you know what? Here, I mean, we, may, we still maybe want to pray our safety prayers. God love me, you know. God, pray, pray for my family. Pray that we don't get sick. Pray, you pray your little safety prayers. Nothing wrong with that. But the thing that bold is all about is bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. So you pray your safety prayers, and then at the end of that, then you pray this prayer. Okay, God, what do you want me to do with my life? I mean, what do you really want me to do with my life? Not what I want to do, not my will, but your will. Let me tell you, that's a bold prayer. You pray a bold prayer like that, God may show up and do some amazing things. When you read the Bible, and, and, and that Jesus just didn't die for Christians, he died for the world, and you love the entire world, and that's the reason I need to be inviting people. So God, my action step is, this week, I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite a friend to work. I'm going to invite a friend who I hang out with. I'm going to invite my guys I go hanging out with on Friday nights. I'm going to invite the person I go bowling with, whatever. I'm going to do that. So what is that action step? Because here's the thing. If you're a Christian, chances are somebody prayed for you to come to know Jesus. So you say, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray until they show up, and until, God, you capture their life. That is what I am going to pray for. Guys, here's the thing. I do believe that God wants to write some amazing stories in my life and your life. He's already done that. Has he not here at church? For those who call one church your home, has he not done that? Yes, he has. And here's one of the things. I, I don't have enough time to really go where I want to go because I'm already over. I just want to say this. When we started one church, I had a lot of fears. I had a lot of fears. Things, there was a lot of drama in my life. Things didn't go perfectly. And I'll tell you, um, we, we moved back, um, I'll tell this in like one minute. A church here in town offered us a position, so we moved from the Midwest 
we moved ourselves here, and then when we got here, they were like, yeah, it's not quite ready yet, and it may never be ready. Yeah. And we're like, uh, we're here, and I moved into my parents' basement. Anybody ever done that one? Pretty humbling. We had a great time in my parents' basement. We had such a good time. Our third child was conceived in my parents' basement. Right? And that, dro- that brought drama in itself. It did. Because I'm thinking, I ain't got a job, right? How in the world am I going to pay for this pregnancy, right? And not only that, um, our third child was supposed to be born the time that our first service was supposed to start, right? I mean, like, I don't ha- I'm get, you know, I'm trying to give birth to a church here, God, and my wife is trying to give birth to a human, right? And, and, and there's all kinds of stress and all kinds of drama. And then after the pregnancy... My, my wife has always struggles with postpartum depression, and this was the worst. And um, we have a great couple in the back, Bob and Laurie Key, who kind of walked with us through that time of Kim and I, and, and they ended up putting her on some medication. She had an allergic reaction, and, and, you know, she was just playing with the arms and rocking back and forth, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. In the midst of, now we're two weeks in of just starting a church. A lot of drama. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Bob, I, I would almost talk to you regularly. Man, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, just cold sweats, worried. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to work. Are we going to get enough money? I don't know. I don't know. Are, are we, we going to re- really reach people? Or are we just going to steal people from other churches? Are, are people, is life change really going to take place? I don't know. It was unknown. There was fears. Eight years later... So glad I did. I'm so glad we did. That was bold. God is calling us to be bold again. And see, we talk about those 35 people and what God's done through their sacrifice. Guys, you are that 35 people right now, and we're more than 35. God is wanting to use you boldly for the next person who walks through these doors who may start like this. And at the end, they realize that Jesus died for them. And they give their heart to Jesus. They get baptized. And their life changes forever. That is bold. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you so much, God, that we can just be able to come and and look at the, the drama that you send in the Israelites' lives, God, and how so many of us, we do not like drama. We don't like conflict. We don't like the unknown God. And Lord, I I pray that this series, that this season of our life, in so many ways, it, it, it conjures up fears. Lord, I pray that everyone in here would start having some conversations with their significant other. That they would start asking, Honey, how can we pray more boldly? What what are some things that you are calling us to do that if we had more faith in you, that we would want to see him do? And that's maybe that's sell that thing or adopt maybe that's go to the mission field maybe that's you know what i just want to i want to go out and reach out to that person god whatever that is and whatever that tension is i pray that you would allow us to embrace that tension lord i pray that everyone in us in here lord we would have that conversation god what do you want me to give and maybe it's not just my finances yeah it's that but it's maybe something else what do you want me to give up so that i can give you the glory God, thank you so much, Lord, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray.